So just it's just uh, one of the things I, I do want to say, uh, Tom had already given it in testimony, but the, the Something More Family Festival uh, is a, uh, at least the churches that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So sometimes we hear the word and we go, <gasps> you know, just, and, but I want you to know that catechism, uh, the teaching and training in that, in that perspective has been around for a long, long time. Uh, began in the early church, Christian church, as a way to equip, to build up. And so we need to understand that, um, that, that these questions, uh, in these questions, we begin to see that they serve as doctrinal, uh, doctrinal standards, if you will. They are standards or building blocks for what we say we believe. And that is so important for us to get, that these are things that we say we believe, and they're, they're just spelled out and, and given for us in a question form and then with an answer and a scripture to back it up. They help us define and defend and to declare our faith in order to become, and listen to what happens here, and this is so important for us, they help us become a distinct group of people. The scripture calls us a holy priesthood. We are a distinct group of people in the world that we live in today. We're not to look the same or act the same or be the same. We are called out, not because we're better, but because God has chosen us. Amen? He has chosen us to be his people. So we are a distinct people, a counterculture that reflects the likeness of Christ, not only in our individual lives or in our individual character, but also in our church family life. And so the question today that, that has already been asked, and I'll just say it again, is how can we glorify God? That is the question. It is a question, folks, kids, young people. It is a question that we should be asking every single day, every moment of our lives. How can I glorify God? Okay? And I want you to understand, and by the time we get to the end of the service, it's very tangible. Okay? It's very, very applicable to our everyday living. So our primary reason for existence, if we could just talk about it from that perspective. Think about this, okay? Think about this for a moment with me. It is wonderful and amazing to know that God commands, directs our supreme happiness and joy to be found in Him. Did you hear what I just said? That God commands or directs our supreme happiness and joy to be found in none other than him and him alone. So if we, are, if we truly believe this, then we need to ask the question, how do I glorify, glorify God in the little day-to-day -day things of life, of my life? One of the greatest scriptures that speak to this verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We're getting right down to basics, you guys, right down to everything that we do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So this passage and others like it teach that every person, that's all you and I, should seek with all of our might to maximize the intensity and the duration of their enjoyment of God, of our enjoyment of God above all things. Now catch what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this a little bit differently, but here is the answer to this question, and it's more in a statement. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. 
Did you catch that? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. Well, if that's the truth, okay, then we also need to understand something. There are a lot of other things that try to take that place, right? There are a lot of things that either we allow to come into our lives or we insert into our lives. And so it's just so important for us to understand that. In other words, we should live in order to display the, the, the supreme worth and beauty and glory of God. That is why we live, you guys. You can apply this to every facet of your life. So here's just some thoughts with that, the every facet. If we are most satisfied with or in our family or our job, fame or success, money or food, music or health, or just staying alive, if we are more satisfied in any of these things than we are of God, we diminish his rightful place in our hearts and we replace it with what we are most satisfied with. All those things that I just listed, we replace God with, or can replace God with. In short, we become glory thieves. We're speaking about how do I glorify God. Folks, when we replace God with things, stuff, people, whatever it might be, we become glory thieves. And at the top of that list, really, and I didn't say it yet, is ourselves. When we replace God with self, we become a glory thief. So God's word makes it very clear that we should live in order to display the, the supreme worth and beauty and glory of him, of him, of himself. You know, for some of us, we might think, well, that's kind of egotistical. But he's God. He made it all. P.S. He didn't need us. But he made us. He made us so that we would glorify him. Folks, when we go to heaven, and I know that some of us struggle. I have struggled with this my whole life growing up, especially as a kid. What am I going to do in heaven? How many have ever asked that question? Oh, come on. You should all have your hands up. Okay, what am I going to do in heaven? And we think, am I going to just sit around on a cloud and plunk a harp? Can I just tell you something? For the rest, for eternity, which has no beginning or end, you and I will be glorifying God. Did you catch that? And you won't run out of things to glorify him about, and you won't get exhausted, and you won't get bored. Bored is a choice. I'll just say that right now. That's not in my note. That's for free, okay? Bored is a choice. Folks, when we get to heaven, it is it, it, our, God's word makes it very clear that we live in order to display the supreme worth and the supreme beauty and glory of God. This is our primary reason for existence. And let me just add this. It doesn't begin when we get to heaven. It begins now. It begins now, right here. That's why we're together as a group of believers, together to glorify God, corporately to say, God, as a family, we lift you up. We praise your holy name. We acknowledge your son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who came to die in our place so that we might be redeemed. We give you glory for that, honor for that. Well, there are two things that can rob us of glory very quickly. And they are pain or pleasure. 
And Satan really loves to use these two strategies to stop us from keeping God front and center. And, and so again, one is pain and the other is pleasure. And we need to understand this, that because we've all suffered, we've all struggled, we've, we've had times of pain. How many have had times of pain in your life? How many have had times of pleasure in your life? Okay, so we're, we, we understand these two issues here. So pain, pain, and maybe I could use the word suffering because I add it here later, but pain causes us to value something, something else more than God, such as our personal happiness by making us angry with God that we are suffering. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but seriously think about this. When you have suffered, how easy it is it for you and I to blame God? You, you know what I'm talking about. You, you understand what I'm saying. Um, this causes us to, uh, to do whatever it takes to get rid of the pain rather than seeking after and embracing God in the midst of our pain or in the midst of our suffering. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. And I'm not just talking about smashing my finger with a hammer kind of pain, all right? Although that does hurt, and, it, and I don't like that. But I'm talking about the pain of broken friendships and relationships and, and the brokenness of sin in our, our, our personal lives as well as in our, our, the world that we live in, those kinds of things that I don't, I don't like to see homelessness and, and, and uh, abandonment and abuse and all those. That's the kinds of pain that I'm talking about. Rejection, that kind of pain. We don't like it, do we? I, I don't know about you, but I don't like that kind of pain. And I will do whatever it takes to get rid of it. Here's the problem for me, though. It's very easy for me to replace it with something other than God. Okay? Um, you, just think about that. So pain and suffering on the opposite side, though, are golden opportunities for you and I to glorify God by showing how much more we value Him than we value comfort or being free from the trial or the suffering. Read, read James chapter 1, verses uh, 2 through 9. It's not in your, it's not going to pop up on the notes. I added that this morning, but just count it all joy, my brothers, for the, uh, the, for the trials that you go through. You, as you look at that, count it all joy. So Satan uses pain, suffering, causes us to value something more than God. The other thing that, that comes into play here then is pleasure. And uh, pleasure can, can also cause us to cherish something else more than God. Not by making us angry, but by causing us to forget God. Because we are so satisfied in the pleasure that his gift gives us. Okay? I love food, okay? I used to say this when I was growing up. Food, uh, eating is a sport. Eat to win. You know, and you know what? When I was 19, I could eat anything and everything, and it was okay. But now eating, now eating is winning, okay? And, 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 uh, and it's not just in, it maybe in weight, but it's in health. It's, 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 it's what it does to my body. And so, and so I have to understand that this pleasure, and by the way, P.S., God gave us food to, to love and to enjoy. 
But when we love the food in that sense more than God, we wouldn't be, become so satisfied in it. Then it becomes, pleasure becomes a bad thing. In Ezekiel chapter 16, God is confronting the children of Israel, and this is a very tough piece of scripture here. It says, And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor. Listen to what I'm going to say. Here's God speaking that I had bestowed on you. You were a beautiful nation because I, God, bestowed it upon you. Listen to what happens then. This is what God declared. And then he says, but you trusted in your beauty and played the whore. Okay? Sometimes we, you know what? We, we want to we block our kids from all the bad language. Okay? Here's God just calling it out here. Okay? When we embrace our beauty and, and what, to whatever, and that, that God had blessed them and, 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 and just made them to be a light in the midst of great darkness as a nation, and it says they trusted in their beauty and played the harlot. In other words, God gave them this great gift of beauty and blessing, and instead of leading them to glorify him, glorifying Him for the gift, they fell in love uh, they fell in love with the gift. In other words, they preferred the gift over the giver. And they dishonored God by not being most satisfied with Him or in Him. You see, pain and pleasure are things that you and I deal with every day. And, and these are two of, of Satan's strategies to derail and distract us and to, to lie to us and say, surely... God didn't say, that's that question that we addressed a couple of weeks ago in, in the midst of this, in the, in the creation of, of man and woman, male and female in his own image. But that question just filters down through the rest of life. Surely God didn't say. And so we begin to question, well, what makes me happy? And, and, and the flip side, what makes me sad? And, and how we deal with that. So pain and, and pleasure are two of Satan's strategies to, to ruin or distract us from, our, from glorifying our God and Father. So I, this title is going to change a little bit. I, I change it, but it's, just, it's uh, uh, God, God in the things or God in all things. And I want to just put it this way, in the much or in the little. Okay, and the apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm just going to read there. If you want to turn your Bibles there, just look at that for me. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, I've put a lot on the screen, but I don't put your reference, I don't put your scripture on, the, on there. That's for you to look up, okay? So Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is speaking about this area of contentment. And, and he begins in verse 11, and he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am, uh, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, how many have quoted the last part of that verse? I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You quoted that? But read it within the context. Okay? 
I can do all things, whether I have much or little, whatever it might be, hunger or, or I have food in my stomach, in all things, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul makes it clear that there is a, a spiritual secret here, something deep and wonderful to be learned in the Christian life that enables you and I, the Christian, a person not only to be brought low, but to abound, not only to be hungry, but to have plenty, not only to have need, but to have much. He is speaking in all things here. In other words, Paul is making it clear that abounding and having plenty is as much a challenge to the glory of God in our lives as is suffering or lacking. Did you catch that? Having can be an issue, and not having can be an issue. The issue, the real issue, is where is our focus? Is it on God, or self, or things, or other people? The question is, that, that is the question that we always have to ask ourselves. So Paul had to learn something uh, peculiar and, and special and, and deep to help him know how to be satisfied with God regardless of his circumstances. And again, that is the question that we are dealing with today. How can I glorify or how do I glorify God in the everyday moment-by-moment, mundane parts of my life. Okay, it's not just the big moments, you guys. It's not just the spectacular moment. It's not like being at this family something more festival and someone coming up to you and saying, how can I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? Would that not be awesome for someone just to come and ask you that question? Okay, we, we pray for those moments, but I'm talking about the everyday moments. I'm talking about the moments when you're by yourself. I'm talking about the moments when you're driving your car. I'm talking about the, every facet of your life, just the moments of life. And again, as we look at this, Paul, Paul answer to, uh, to the secret for the satisfaction in God is, is found as we continue through this passage. But I'm going to go back up to verse 7 and 8. The secret is not in discounting or diminishing the goodness of God's gifts, but in knowing Christ so well and loving him so deeply and finding him so satisfying that good things can be received from his hand as Christ's exalting gifts and good things can be torn from our hands as self as Christ's exalting discipline. So they, there's the, the Christ's exalting gifts that he gives that are good, and there is the removal of that gift that we need to look at. Here's what it says in three, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, Christ is, Christ's way is better. Okay? Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. Here's the point of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That's the secret. The fact that, that good things are counted as loss or rubbish uh, does not mean that they uh, cannot be uh, enjoyed. It, 
but it does mean that the moment that they compete with the superior beauty and worth and glory and satisfaction of Christ, they become an enemy. They become our enemy. They become rubbish. Paul's learned secret then, if Christ is more precious than anything, then both loss, both the loss and the gain of good things is an, is an occasion for treasuring or glorifying Christ. We're not strangers in this family to death. We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. We've lost children, brothers, sisters, grandparents, parents. So I, I want you to understand something, folks. I want you to understand, even when it gets down to the, some of the toughest things that you and I will struggle with. And I don't get it. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But we, but we need to understand what this, what this question is asking of us. I don't understand why my little brother Philip is already gone. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't quite understand why. Outside of this, that I do believe in a sovereign God who is in complete control. I do believe in a sovereign God whose plans are bigger than my plans, whose desires are greater than my desires whose wishes are greater than my wishes. I understand that. Does it remove the pain? Come on, does it? It doesn't remove the pain. It does not remove the pain. All I can say to you, I just want to say this to you, all I remember is one of my last conversations with my little brother, just he and I, and he said to me, and he, we were kind of jokesters, okay? Because when we didn't like what was going on in life, we made jokes of everything, okay? That's how we handled stress and pain. And he looked at me, and he said this to me, Ha ha, Dan, I get to go first. You suck, Philip. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's kind of where I was at in the moment. Do you, do you catch what I'm saying? Do you catch my heart? Can, can, can you hear what I'm saying? Can, can, can you just hear the depth of what I'm saying to you guys today? How am I to glorify God? Because I'm going to tell you that in that kind of moment, the first thing that we want to do is blame God. And say, God, that's not fair. That's not right. I don't like you. All sorts of things. And we blame and we point fingers. But I just want you to understand the depth of this as Paul has found contentment in all things, in gain or loss, whatever it might be, that he's found it in Jesus Christ. That he's found his satisfaction, that God is most satisfied when we are most satisfied with him. Paul continues this conversation in, in the book of Timothy, and he's speaking uh, here and, and, and he says this, and I, this is very interesting. He says, Some forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be re uh, received 
with thanksgiving uh, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. And then he continues in that same passage in 1 Timothy, and he says this to the, to the one who has much. He says, the rich in this present age, um, the rich in this present age uh, are, are not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's all from God, you guys. Everything you have, every relationship you have, everything you have, every piece of food you have, everything is from God. Your breath is from God. Your eyesight is from God. Your ability to use your hands is from God. Everything is from God. So the question is then, how do I glorify him with all that? Well, I've asked two of my, my buddies to come up, uh, Josiah Good and Joey Callen, to come up. And they're going to come up and stand right here. And uh, so they're going to give him a big hand. They're going to come up. They're, they're, um, I, I have lots of good young people, uh, helpers at, at uh, our kids club, but these are two of them. And and I was going to invite some, maybe some younger kids, but I'm going to ask some tough questions today, okay? And most of them are going to be, yes. I, I, so Joey asked this. He just wanted to make sure he wasn't going to answer any of them wrong. So, okay, but, but we have to think through this. So think through them with us as we go through this. So we're going to talk about enjoying drinking orange juice to the glory of God, okay? We're just going to talk about one of the simplest things we could do. Well, this isn't orange juice. This is, um, uh, what do we call this? This is a, a Capri Sun uh, trop, Tropicana punch, okay? It kind of looks like this, all right? All right, so, so as I ask these questions, and, but there's some points, six points that I'm going to take us through as we think about glorifying God, okay? You guys can take your mask off because you're going to have to drink, all right? Whew. Feel better? All right, so grab a juice. Don't squeeze it too bad because you know what happens. It all squirts out, okay? So um, so it's not quite orange, but it's kind of eh, a little bit of orange. But here's So here's the first thing that we do when we're glorifying God. I, uh, I will affirm joyfully. Can you say that with me? I will affirm joyfully, okay? So here's some questions. You can answer them, but you guys think about it. Is the color yellow or orange or kind of crystal clear or whatever? Is this a gift from God? Okay? So here's the next question. Um, and we'll taste it first for me, okay? I'll taste mine too. Mm. Ah, pretty good, okay? So um, is the sweet taste a gift from God? So I could ask this question, is the ability to taste a gift from God? Okay? All right. Um, uh, can this stuff, I mean, it's kind of questionable, but I'll just say it. Can this, this juice nourish your body? Uh, can it nourish your body? Joey thinks so. He's drinking. He's he's enjoying the moment. You guys wish I would have called you, right? So it, it can nourish our body, okay? 
So is the sun and the rain that grew the oranges and the fruit that made this juice, is that a gift from God? Okay. So, um, okay, here's a question. Is the trucking company and the grocery chain that brought this, this to me, is that a gift from God? Yeah, it is. It's a gift from God. Okay, so I will affirm joyfully the gifts that God gives me. Okay, so as we move through this, and it, this list just reminds us, and this list could go on and on, and parents, this is a great way when we think about the catechism questions to go a step further and teach and to learn as we think about this stuff. But it reminds us to gladly and joyfully glorify or affirm and acknowledge God, the giver of his beautiful gifts. And here's one of them, juice. Okay? So as it's one thing to affirm. It's another thing as we move forward, and as it said in the passage that we read in, in, in uh, uh, 1 Timothy, I will lift my heart and voice in prayer, thanking God. So, okay, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is going to be more than a yes or no. So, Josiah, how, what does it mean for you to give? How can you give thanks? What would you need to say? To, to, uh, how would you give thanks to God for this? What would you do? Say a prayer before drinking it. Okay, any other way? How would we give thanks? Same thing, okay? So it's just acknowledging God, thanking Him for it. Folks, it's not just praying for thanks for our food at dinner, but it's kind of like you get out of bed in the morning and you go, man, my body kind of aches, but I'm moving, okay? And you walk and you talk and you and you 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 uh you know you brush your teeth, and by the way, when you're looking in the mirror, you can see. You know, and I always take a few moments there and just do the old eye pupil test, you know, turn the lights off. Turn the lights on, your pupils go in and out, and you go, wow, God, it's amazing how you made my eyes, okay? Giving thanks to God. I will lift my heart and my voice in prayer, acknowledging God, thanking God for all that he gives me every day. So we affirm joyfully, we give in prayer and thanksgiving, then we acknowledge God that way. All right, so the questions are going to get a little tougher here. Okay, here's the question. Um, do you deserve this juice? No? All right. Did, did you? They're right. None of us deserve this juice. Here's what we deserve. Seriously, and it, this is not just them, okay? I didn't put them up here to pick on them. Here's what we deserve. I deserve hell. We deserve hell. We deserve destruction. This is the humbling part of what we're talking about in these questions, you guys. We deserve hell. So when I give thanks, I give thanks that my sins are forgiven and that this pleasure is, in fact, bought for me. Did you catch that? This pleasure, you can have another drink, this pleasure has been bought for me. Folks, when we take communion, okay, and the juice that we drink, and Jesus said, this, this uh, represents my blood, okay, we are saying, this has been bought for me. And that is so, so very important for us. 
This orange juice pleasure is a, a blood-bought gift for you, you guys, for all of us, for this child who is on their way to heaven. Every day this gift has been given to us. So here's a couple other thoughts here. So I will remind, okay, and here's the thing. I will remember. How do you remember? What, what helps you remember? Your brain, okay? Do you ever have to, like, write stuff down or anything like that? Or do you have to do that? What do you, what do, you do to help you remember? Okay, so it, recall, it helps you recall. You know what, for me, you know, you know what helps me remember? If I have to take things with me, I put them by the door. That's where I'm at in life. I got to put stuff by the door, and I still walk over it on the way out. Okay? But I will, I will remind myself of this particular pleasure, this taste. If you want another one, go ahead. Go ahead. You can have another one. It, it, okay, all right. This taste, this coolness on my tongue, this nourishment reveals something of God to my senses and my soul that could not be known any other way. So this brings to mind something that I could not know any other way. So something as simple as drinking juice brings to my senses something that could not be known any other way, which is just amazing and awesome. All right? You guys, okay, here it is. That's why the world was created with all of its beauty and all of its splendor, because it's like a prism. It's like a, not a prison, a prism, okay? Giving us some new sights of the glory of God every day. All right? I, uh, I was out hunting with my brother years ago, okay, when I did foolish things like hike eight miles in the, straight up a mountainside to try to shoot something that wasn't there, okay? All right, so I'm out in the middle of nowhere, Okay, it is 80 degrees. We're over in Leavenworth, right? We shouldn't have been. It was an early buck hunt. It was hot, okay? We're out there. We get up in this mountain, and there is no water. Well, a little bit. So my brother looks at me, and he says to me, he didn't point his gun at me, so I was okay. He says, if you shoot anything, I'm going to kill you. Because he didn't want to, he, he, we didn't want to pack it out of there, okay? So anyway, we finally camp in this spot. We're up about, I don't know, we're about 6,000 feet up, okay? And we found this little kind of cut in the ravine. And in the right down in there, there was like this moss hanging down. And there was this tiny little trickle of water running out of that. And by then, we're, we were out of water, okay? So we got our water bottles set in there one at a time because that's all it would take, okay? It took literally five minutes to fill my water bottle, all right? Then Mark put his in there. Did you see I went first? Did you see that? Okay, and then, and then we just sat there. We just sat there and we drank. And it was the coldest, clearest, yummy water that I had ever had. And what did it make me do? It made me understand the gifts of God. And so as we see that, that's so important. So here's two other things as we close, okay? So because we know all this, if you have this juice and it's available to you all the time, so would you be, go ahead, that's fine. And there's one more for you too. So would you be willing to share it with anybody else? (laughs) 
<laughs> if you had an immense supply of juice, would you be willing to share it with others and not hoard it? So when it's been given to us by God then, God says, I didn't just give it to you just to have and to hoard. He says, I want you to share it with everybody else. Okay? So, and, then, and then finally, here's the thing. Because we've been nourished by this juice, it gives us the strength that, that, that we have and we will use this strength that is given to us by the juice then to live for his glory. So we drink the juice, we're, we're nourished, we're satisfied, we're supplied. And, and uh, you know, we don't just walk away. Would you walk away after being satisfied and just going, well, that was awful? Would you say that? No. We would walk away happy and satisfied. And, and, and why? So now we can just go live for the glory of God. Okay? You guys can head to your seat. You can take that other juice as you go. Give them all a big hand. Just think of who I ask next week. No. Here, here's the thought, you guys. The question, the question is how do I glorify God in my everyday life? And we need to understand that there are highs and there are lows. There are, there are good times and there are bad times. There are times when we just flat out suffer and we just need to under, understand, though, that we are in the midst of life and God has called us to glorify him above all else. And I use orange juice because it is, seems like the craziest, most simplest little mundane thing in all the world, but I can tell you that I have drank or drunk orange juice in pure selfishness, in pure greed, in no desire to share. Because all I wanted was my my ways, my wishes, my desires. And God is saying, no, you live for my wants, my desires, my wishes. And what I have given you, I have given you so that you can glorify me. It sounds simple. It's tougher to live every day. Consider that in your life. Consider what has been said today in every facet of your life, your personal life, your private life, your, your, your life as a, a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter, a grandparent, a, a, a worker, a co-worker, a boss. Think about all the different facets of life. And God is saying, I gave you all of this so that you could glorify me. I gave it all to you so that you might glorify me. God is most satisfied when we are most satisfied with him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us and for walking with us and for bringing these concepts down to some of the most basic, applicable perspectives that we could ever consider, even drinking orange juice. Lord, thank you that it's all from you. It all belongs to you. And Lord, you give all that you give, the good gifts that you give, 
Lord, we're all meant to bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, that, that came as the, in human form as a man to, to live on this earth, but to live perfectly, to ultimately die on a cross, Lord, for our sins so that, that Lord, there might be a way back to you. There's forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation, Lord, all because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a way back to your intended plan, which is to live with you forever. And it comes by faith. Faith in what you have done for us through your son and accepting and believing that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again, Father, in our place for us so that we might be made right with you. God, thank you. Lord, in every, in every aspect, God, everything points back to you. And we want to say thank you. We just want to say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, will you come? invite you to stand.